You're listening to WBH Radio. I'm your host, William Holly. Thank you for tuning in to episode 103. I greatly appreciate it. The last time I recorded one of these, I was in here with my guys, my man Fent, my boy Fat Cat. And I'm going to tell you guys, ladies and gentlemen, that, that was the most fun I had recording a podcast in a very long time. Now, I don't know how good the episode was, but it is the most fun I had recording. Just hanging with my homies, letting it fly, nothing written down, no uh, bullet points, just letting it rip. Um, I had so much fun that I was actually waiting for them to be available again. Fat Cat said thanks, but no thanks. He wants no parts. I don't know. I think he got warrants or something. He can't be on camera. And Fenton, he's the international man of mystery. Like, we just couldn't work it out. So I said, you know, I don't want to hold up anymore. I'm going to come in here and record. A couple things I want to get into today. I want to talk to you guys about putting together a weekly segment on WBH Radio. I want to kind of work that out with you, you know, put that out, see what you think, man. Let me know. Uh, I want to talk about Kanye West. But but first, I want to start with uh, Draymond Green. It came out that Draymond Green got in a fight with his teammate Jordan Poole. Shortly after that, the video came out and it shows Draymond Green punching his teammate Jordan Poole in the face. Uh, there was an argument, I guess, and Draymond Green walked up on Jordan Poole. The both of them were chest to chest. Poole kind of just pushed Green like, yo, get off of me. And then Draymond Green socked him. How do I feel about this? I, there's multiple layers here. But off the top, this is bad. Real bad. This marks the end of the Golden State Warriors. Let me be quite clear on the front end. Draymond Green was 100% wrong. Wrong. Period. No buts, no qualifiers. Wrong. And people, I've seen people say, yo, well, but, but you know, like fights happen. Fight, things happen. Things do happen. You know, I was watching uh, Undisputed with uh, Shannon Sharp and Skip Bayless. And Shannon said, yeah, man, Jordan Poole, you, you can't let Draymond walk up on you like that. Yeah, if I'm in a nightclub or a bar and everybody around me is a stranger, no stranger can walk up on me and be chest to chest. Of course not. My guard is going to be up. I'm in protection mode. But in a professional practice with my teammates, with the guys I just won a championship with, I would think there is some level of respect and decorum that would be displayed, even when there's a dispute. Even when there is a dispute. Amongst my brothers, there's just certain places we ain't going. I ain't going to talk about your mama. <laughs> I'm not going to throw any franks at you and say SMD. And for those who don't know what that means, please uh, be careful, Urban Dictionary, in that. There's, there's got to be some respect amongst your brothers. 
I'm not going to expect one of them to just cold cock and punch me in my face like they don't know who I am. Like they don't know my mama. Like we ain't been to battle together side by side. I'm not going to expect that. What Draymond Green did was totally out of line. The lack of regard he showed for his young teammate is something I've never seen in my little humble playing career. Hell, even Kevin Durant came out and said, I've never seen anything like that. You punch that man like you don't know who he is, like he's a nobody, like he's a man on the sh- off the street. In, in, in a professional practice? When we on the road together, we in hotels together, we mobbing together. That was filthy. And you see, even in sports, when dust-ups happen, that's for the leader to come in and mend it. Well, Draymond Green is the guy that is considered the leader of the Golden State Warriors. What do you do when the perpetrator is the one that has been trusted with the reins of the franchise. You're in trouble. You are in trouble. And that was such a flagrant display of disrespect. They can never come back from that. Never come back from that. I did a podcast with my professor recently, the great Dr. Brian Johnson at East Tennessee State. You know, for those who don't know, I got a doctorate in, in, in global sport leadership. And we talked about leadership. Leadership is not about any specific business or sport. Leadership is about the skill to move people towards one common goal. To me, it's the science of people. And Draymond Green was trusted with those reins. And me and Dr. Johnson talked about how do we get our people to buy in? Because leadership is not just about threatening people. Oh, I'm 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 going to dock your pay. It's about getting buy-in. And one way to get buy-in is by earning an individual's trust. I did a podcast recently with uh, 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 two players I coach, Abdul Tori, Jaden Reed. And I said, hey, what's it like playing for us at Wingate? Oh, man, it's tough. What's it like playing for Coach Will? Oh, man, tough love. Because I done sent them brothers home pissed off many a days. But when they're in their room and they're by themselves and they're cursing my name and their ego wants to kind of reject everything I'm telling them, There's a point in, the, in, in, in that, that episode when they realize, dang, Coach Will has always shown that he cares for us and wants the best for us. They trust me. Well, Draymond, you have fractured that trust by punching your teammate in the face. Now when you bark out orders to him, now when you challenge him, he wonders, damn, is this really for my... My best interest? Is Draymond really looking out? You've given him ammunition to question your leadership. 
And once that trust is gone, it can never, never be replaced. I believe that. With such a flagrant display of disrespect, smack Jordan Poole right in the face, literally. Let me tell you about another dynamic that was at play. Uh, and it further just supports or explains how much of a bully move this was by Draymond Green. And had I not worked in professional locker rooms, I don't think I would be able to have this perspective or I, I wouldn't have believed it if somebody explained it to me. So many of us have played college athletics, have played high school athletics, have played AAU. The professional arena is different. Do you know why? Money. Money. You want to see people get crazy? Throw some money in the mix. Right? So, it's explained as if two teammates are fighting. But Jordan Poole and Draymond are not on equal footing. Even though they are teammates in the professional arena, Draymond Green has gotten paid. Jordan Poole didn't. Draymond Green is a four-time champion. Jordan Poole just won one. So Draymond Green has kind of the weight of an established veteran, somebody that's gotten paid, somebody that has a higher standing in the league, in the national conversation, he's doing television for TNT, and Jordan Poole is somebody that's trying to get paid, trying to make a name for himself in this league. So, so Draymond Green walks over to Jordan Poole with all that weight behind him. Now, Jordan Poole ain't no punk. He ain't running away. But if Jordan Poole would have just cold cocked him, what would the story have been? Oh, this young kid won a little championship and he he he's starting to become unruly. I wonder if we can pay this guy. Will he be a problem? Is there uh, uh, does he have a propensity for violence? These are the conversations that would start to form around Jordan Poole, a young man that's trying to make a name for himself, even though I just got a, an alert on my phone. He just got paid. Congratulations to him. But when the fight took place, he was somebody in search of a deal. Meanwhile, Draymond is paid and taken care of. So it wasn't a fair fight. Jordan Poole didn't really have too many options. If he would have punched Draymond Green for just walking over, the conversation would have been a lot different. The conversation would have put his money in jeopardy. Draymond Green paid multiple-time champion on TNT, the de facto leader of the team. He's bringing all of that luggage, all of that weight, all of that muscle over to Jordan Poole. That's a bully move. And take it from me, being in professional locker rooms, I was with the Yankees in 2017, Aaron Judge had the league on fire. He was still just a rookie on a minimum deal. <laughs> he didn't get to call any shots. He didn't get to pick his, his seat on the plane. The fans love and adore him. You, you still a rookie, son. 
His parking spot ain't near the entrance. So Draymond Green had all of that comfort, all of those luxuries, and he walked over to a young man trying to make a name for himself in the league, trying to, trying to, trying to earn his pay, and punched him in the face. That was, that was worse than two teammates just fighting. That was bullying. And the Warriors are going to suffer a great deal. Moves like that affect everybody in the building. Again, going back to my time with the Yankees, uh, one of my duties was uh, putting together the tickets for each game for the families. For those who don't know, every professional franchise, there is a section in the building that is reserved just for the families of the players. It's kind of like their own cocoon. They don't sit amongst regular fans. They can if they want. But for the most part, everybody sits in one section. And they start to form their own fraternity. The wives club, the, the girlfriends club, the, the, the moms and dads club. And then after the game, those families are waiting outside of the locker room. And they continue to congregate and be friendly and form their groups. Now, what do you think it means for those moms? Damn, your son just punched my son in the face. What do you think it means for the moms that were friends with both? Now do they have to choose who they sit next to during the game? Now do you pick and choose who do you invite to the family functions? The staffers that used to sit certain families together now, like, yo, what do I do? Like, this is real stuff. And all because Draymond lost control. This is bad. And I said this might have derailed Jordan Poole's career. And you may say, yo, Will, that, that, come on, man. That's hyperbolic, man. The, the boy Jordan Poole could ball. He most definitely can. And congratulations to him again. He just got paid four years, $100 million, I believe it. It just came down on my phone. The ego. The ego gets a bad rap. Like, oh my God, like, oh, the ego is out of control. But we got to remember, the ego is necessary. You know, you go back to psychology 101. What is it? The id, the super ego, and then the ego, right? The id is like our most basic needs. Uh, I'm hungry. Uh, I want to have sex. Like, like a caveman. The ego somewhat regulates that. Okay, you want to eat? Put your clothes on. Go to a restaurant. Pull your wallet out and pay for your food. Right? You need to procreate? Okay, first say hello to the young lady. Take out the dinner. That's, that's the ego. The ego contributes to our self-esteem. The ego helps regulate our most basic function. The ego is necessary. So it's not the fact when people say, oh, they got an ego and it's a negative connotation. We need the ego. We need to have a, a, a healthy ego. It, 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 it prevents us from doing stupid things. It gives us the confidence to accomplish great things. So when the ego is out of whack, man, we could be in trouble. 
And now that you just got punched in your face, Jordan Poole, where's that ego? Can, can, can you repair it? Can you get it back to a healthy place? Can you get it back to the place that allows you to take 35-foot jump shots and dance and laugh and be smiling and, and have fun on that basketball court and be tough? Can you get it there? Because this punch to the face, this literal punch to the face, can, can tinker with that ego, make you feel less than, make you feel like a punk. You know, if if you're in Memphis on, on a random February night and you busting John Moran's ass and John Moran leans over to you and say, yeah, you talking tough, but you ain't doing nothing to Draymond. Where does that put Jordan Poole? And if you think the ego is not important, I would ask you to look at the case of somebody that was considered the greatest athlete in their sport. And then they fell off overnight. Tiger Woods. Tiger Woods. Tiger Woods was running through golf like we never seen before. Fierce, winning, red shirt on polo, uh, red, sh- red polo on Sundays. Right? The fist pump, the signature fist pump. He was flying high. He had his family, he had his endorsements, he had his money. We didn't know it, but he had his mistresses. And we could only assume that that was contributing to the ego he needed to go out there and perform. And then when he got exposed for the world to see and his personal life spiraled and women was popping up everywhere on the cover of magazines on uh, late night 2020 with Barbara Walters, Diane Sawyer, and his world came crumbling down. Well, hell, it seemed like he forgot how to play golf overnight. Because that ego was out of whack. So I'm really praying for Jordan Poole that he can get back to where he needs to get to mentally. I was thinking about what I was going to say. Uh, I think I was in my car. And I was like, you know, Michael Jordan would never have done. And I was like, oh, snap. (laughs) Michael Jordan actually did attack one of his teammates, Steve Kerr. But I'm like, yo, this, this is different. And you know why it's different? Steve Kerr was white. Jordan Poole is black. Now you say, well, why is that different? Different cultures. If Steve Kerr goes home and tells his wife, yo, Michael Jordan just punched me. Michael Jordan just choked me. She might say, oh, my God, what an animal. Did he really? Jordan Poole, you know, some black guys, you go home, you tell your mama, you tell your girl that somebody punched you in the face. Yo, ma, Draymond hit me. Your mom might be like, and you ain't kill that nigga? (laughs) Seriously. Cultures. You know, and even that goes back to the teachers of Honorable Elijah Muhammad. Not having knowledge of self. So many black men today, specifically, our self-worth, 
our value is associated with our physical abilities. Our, our willingness to inflict pain on another black man at a moment's notice. Yo, man, I, I wish a nigga would. Our athletic ability. Our, our sexual prowess. And if one of those are tinkered with, man, Jordan Poole got to gotta see that punch play out on social media. You know, Steve Kerr, he got to go home. Like, his manhood may not be questioned because Michael Jordan, some 6'6 black guy, choked him out or punched him. His manhood won't be questioned. His wife may not look at him differently. But in Jordan Poole's circle, young black men from the hip-hop generation, whose whole identity is being athletic, being a baller, being tough. I think that young man got an uphill climb to have that play out for the world to see. You already see the jokes. They showed a, uh, I was looking on social media, they showed an NBA 2K character, Jordan Poole's character with a black eye. Man, wishing that young man well. But Draymond Green, you're done. Done. And with Draymond Green, he always gets so much credit for helping the Warriors win, which he does. But when we going to start talking about the stuff that he's actually cost the Warriors? They're not winning this year because of this. Trust me, every time Draymond talks, Jordan Poole's going to be in the back rolling his eyes somewhere. Remember the fallout that he had with Kevin Durant kind of chased him out of there, called Kevin Durant a bitch, and you can see Kevin Durant mouthing, that's why I'm out of here. And after that season, KD was out of there. We go back to the 2006 finals, when he 2016 finals, when he got suspended, which contributed to the Cleveland Cavaliers and LeBron James coming back from a 3-1 deficit to win the championship. I don't know. I don't know. Kanye West got y'all going crazy again, huh? <laughs> Kanye West. Where was he at? Fashion Week in Paris or something? And he put on a shirt that said White Lives Matter. And they got he got you people in a frenzy. Going crazy. Uh, he actually had that shirt on and he was with... Uh, Candace Owens, a political commentator, a black woman that seems to be at odds with black people. They both had on White Lives Matter shirt. And people have been going at it, calling Kanye Coon, saying he lost it. Ladies and gentlemen, I think Kanye West is the most authentic voice you have in that hip-hop space. Especially when we're talking about the people at that level, the billionaires. The most authentic. And I use that word specifically. You know, I thought it was fitting. And, you know, I went to, te- to check the dictionary at to make sure it did fit. And I went to the Merriam-Webster app, which I have on my phone. Uh, Authentic. Definition number three. True to one owns personality, spirit, or character. 
Now, authentic has nothing to do with always agreeing with them. Authentic means like, yo, he is giving you what he truly believes. And when I look at that hip hop space, there's nobody more authentic than Kanye West. And for that, I appreciate him now and forever. Two thousand and five, I was in Iraq, and uh, my unit was broken up into different cities. So I was with a small squad, and I, f- I think it was Balad. And then towards the end of our deployment, we kind of went all back to the main base. And, you know, we caught up with our our whole company was put back together again. Guys, we hadn't seen in a few months. We were all back together. And there was a brother out of Louisiana. His spirit was different. And I'm like, yo, your bro was good. Like, we almost out of here. And he was he was a little down. I'm like, yo, I'm trying to figure out what it is. And come to find out, <clears throat> he couldn't find his family. He was from New Orleans and something called Hurricane Katrina had taken place. And I'm like, what do you mean you can't find your family? Remember, we overseas in Iraq. We can't communicate with our families that often. We're not watching news flashes every day. I'm not on the Internet every day. I'm not on Instagram every day. This stuff didn't really exist. So there's no way... We could see the devastation. Now, hurricanes have been a little bit more frequent since then, but go go back to 2005. And in fact, when I got back from Iraq and I would see footage of things that was going on during Katrina, I couldn't believe that took place in America, in a major American city. Huh? That devastation, bodies piling up in the Superdome or wherever that dome was in uh, uh, Louisiana, people's homes destroyed, America couldn't get food there. That happened in America? No way. But it did. And then in 2016, I guess they was doing a, a benefit concert or something live TV, and Kanye West got up there and said, listen, George Bush, our president, he don't care about black people. Man, that was the realest thing I've ever seen. You got to understand, 2006, this is before people was talking out against the system, especially your celebrities. They would not. This is before Breonna Taylor say her name. This is before I can't breathe. This is before Colin Kaepernick took a knee. Kanye West was the realest. He went up there in front of the world and said, our president doesn't care about black people. The man that was standing next to him, Mike Myers, a guy who plays Austin Powers, he's a white guy. He turned white as a sheet. I want you to go watch that video. He couldn't believe it. Do you know what was at stake for Kanye? 
And for him to do that, that was real and authentic. Something Hove ain't never done for us. Something Diddy ain't never done. They too busy protecting their war chest. So that's Kanye's body. Don't ever forget that. And when I say authentic, again, it's not always about agreeing, but I believe it's about somebody that is working out their thoughts, ideas, and feelings in real time, and he has no time laying that on the table for you to see. We saw the soundbite last year when he was like, yo, slavery was a choice. Again, I don't know the full context of it, but I'm not throwing him out. The baby with the bathwater. This guy has proven that he's for the real. Now, whatever his version of the real is, he's working it out in real time. Because remember, these guys are your celebrities, but they're victims of this system, too. They trying to find their way too. Just because they got money doesn't mean that they got all the answers. And what we see from Kanye is somebody working it out in real time. And he is not afraid to share with us. And for that, I appreciate him. He said, yo, slavery was a choice. I don't know. Was it? Maybe. Them people could have revolted and killed their slave master, right? Or they could have revolted and died. Do you know in the middle passage, not everybody made it to America. Some people chose to jump ship to their death and commit suicide. Would you consider them a slave? You have families that killed their babies because they didn't want them born in a slave. Would you consider them a slave if they died fighting for their life? They chose death. So who knows? Maybe slavery was a choice. Again, I don't know what's right or wrong, but I'm telling you, I'm not throwing that man out just because he says something I don't agree with or, or quite understand yet. Kanye said a whole lot over this last weekend. He even uh, talked about a religion. I ain't going to say their name because they like to snatch accounts anytime you talk about them. We don't address that. I remember Kanye West, again, authentic, real, true to oneself. He was talking about how people had him signed to, to bad record deals. Well, somebody pointed out to Kanye, well, you signed Big Sean and him to some bad deals too. You know what Kanye said? Well, hey, let's reexamine it. Because, again, he's a victim of the system too. He's just doing what was taught to him. So he turned around and perhaps did it to his own people. But now that he know better, hey, let's reexamine it. Something your favorite artists have never done. Jay-Z or, or, or Diddy. All Diddy's artists are dead in jail. Black Rob, G-Dep. So don't throw somebody out because you don't agree with them. Kanye West is one of the most brilliant minds. Even after that George Bush doesn't care about black people, that should have derailed him from making any money moving forward. But he became a billionaire in multiple industries. The Gap, the Yeezys, the Nikes. Like, he did it all. This is a brilliant brother. And he is working out his things in real time and allowing us to see it. I think 
is phenomenal, and we must protect him at all costs. You look at his peers, people that have produced at that level. Do they get to live a long, healthy life? Michael Jackson? Nope. Prince? Uh-uh. How about Sam Cooke? I was born by the river. They killed him too. Kanye West is in an arena where black men who are not afraid don't really survive. And for him to be fearless enough to do it, I commend him. And for his sake, I'm glad that most people just write him off for being crazy. Because if the powers that be thought that we were taking him serious, they would kill him. Kanye West got on the Drink Champs interview and said, yo, Kevin Hart be saying, man, yo, I wish I could say the things you say, but, but what, Kevin Hart? They'll take your money. You see, I don't know about you, ladies and gentlemen, but I'd much rather be in a room with authentic people, not people that tell me what I want to hear, not people that hide information, not people that are there to appease me. Put me in a room with the people that are going to tell me the truth. The authentic people. Those are the ones that really care about you. And if you look at my diversity of friends, the one common thing amongst all of them is authentic. Authenticity. You got Coach Bakers and Reds. Those the basketball is life guys. You got my man, Kamoya and Fan. Them dudes is in the comic books. You got my guys that love to dibble and dabble with the ladies. You got my friends that just want to go home to their wife. The one common thread authenticity and Kanye West has given us that it's not about always agreeing but for me he has earned a right that I'm never going to dismiss him or disregard him he's fighting for his life in that arena black folks don't make it up there They talk about his love for Trump and him wearing a red hat. I told you before he was in the Oval Office advocating for the release of Larry Hoover. What's more gangster than that? Meanwhile, DA ain't going to like this. He said, I'm always taking shots at Jay-Z on being hard on Jay-Z. Jay-Z, in his raps, he always talk about OG Wan. Well, OG Wan's wife, it came out in the news that she wore wire against a drug cartel. A snitch. Okay, cool. Then it came out that she was pardoned by Donald Trump. So hold on. Jay-Z, one of the biggest figures in hip-hop, One of the leading ladies in his company have been pardoned by one of the most polarizing presidents in U.S. history, Donald Trump. A man people think is a racist, a xenophobe, and a sexist. Well, how did that happen? Conversation had to be done somewhere. But they kept that under wraps. <laughs> Inauthentic. And you know what made it even worse? None of the hip-hop news outlets that we rely on said a word about it. 
Now, Charlemagne the God, the man who always flying that Rock Nation paper plane hat. Not my guy, Joe Budden, who has been a lifelong fan of Jay-Z. You think that's a coincidence or did Jay-Z and that apparatus send word down to those people? Hey, don't mention this. Hell, that's what the oligarchs and the dictators do. They try to control the media. Kanye never did that to us. The only person that actually uh, spoke on that, uh, Desi Perez, Donald Trump pardon, and uh, uh, snitching allegations was the great DJ Academics. Why I consider him the realest in that space. So with Kanye West... The most authentic voice. I'm never dismissing him or disregarding him because I see a, a, a newspaper article heading. Never. And for the record, do white lives matter, ladies and gentlemen? Well, well, yeah, well, they, they do. But uh, I mean, like, but the shirt, though, my nigga, like, come on. the sh Shut up. Stop letting people trick and manipulate you. I got my doctor in the spring of 2021 as a scholar. It's not my duties to teach you what to think, but how to think. And I think if you really sit back and take in consideration everything that's happened, everything that has happened, Kanye West is the most authentic voice you have. And, and it behooves you to protect him at all costs. He's in that, that apparatus, uh, hip-hop world, that fashion world, that Kardashian world, fighting for his life, fighting for truth, working it out in real time. It's a miracle he's still alive. He accused the, the CEO of Louis Vuitton of killing his boy Virgil. Those things do happen, right? Whether it's true or not, I'm paying attention. He's going to always have my ear. I'll tell you, when I was in Iraq, uh, 2005, my boy Jimmy Durda from Atlanta, he wanted to give me an album to listen to. I said, man, I ain't listening to that. He said, yo, Will, this is it. What was the album? The College Dropout by Kanye West. That album became the soundtrack for me. Matter of fact, that's an exaggeration. Not even the album. One verse, spaceship. If my manager insults me again, I will be assaulting him. After I fuck the manager up, then I'm going to shorten the register up. Let's go back, back to the gap. Look at my check, what no scratch. So if I stole, what am my fault? Yeah, I stole, never got caught. They take me to the back and pat me, asking me about some khakis. But let some black people walk in. I bet you they show if they token blackie. Oh, now they love Kanye. Let's put them all in the front of the store. So I'm on break next to a no smoker sign with a blunt in the mall. Taking my hits, writing my hits, writing my rhymes, clearing my mind. This fucking job can't help them. So I quit. Y'all welcome. Y'all don't know my struggle. Y'all can't match my hustle. You can't catch my hustle. You can't fathom my love, dude. Like yourself in the room doing five beats a day for three summers. That's a different world like Cree Summers. I deserve to do these numbers. Kid that made that. 
deserves that made back so many records in my basement i'm just waiting on my spaceship i've been working this grave shift nine shit i wish i could buy me a spaceship and fly you think that man don't know the plight of black people you think that man don't know our struggle That's what was playing in my ears when I was walking that gun line, not caring if an Iraqi sniper took my head off. I heard somebody that understood the plight of black people. Not dope boy raps and selling poison to your people. Or somebody that really knew the struggle. And I'm telling you, be cautious of dismissing and, and, and throwing this guy out. He's one of the most authentic voices you have. It's like with this podcast, people want to debate me. Yo, bro, debate. I'm one of the coolest, smartest, most well-traveled, honest people you know. It is a privilege to come on this journey with me. I don't have all the answers, but what I'm doing is I'm putting my heart on the table for you to see in real time. So you compare what you like, what you don't like. You can listen to ideas. You can use me as a, a benchmark. Yo, well, Will said this. Well, let's see how it turned out. Oh, snap. Will, you were right. Oh, snap. Will, you were wrong. And see what lessons can be learned from that. This is a privilege. I can keep this to myself. It's my piece on Kanye. What else I got? What else I got? Uh, I wanted to come do this podcast. Of course, I got to put some clothes on. You know, I try to put a little thought into what I'm wearing. You know, I try to have like a little message. You know, I might wear a basketball jersey. I might wear a t-shirt that says something. And... I got this colorful polo on. I want you guys to take a real good look if you're watching on YouTube. If you're just listening to the audio, it's kind of like a purple fuchsia pink joint. It's tie-dye. Like, I want you to really give me your opinion. What do you think of this shirt? I'm going to tell you how it came about. My boy was having a baby shower. His name is Reg. Not Coach Reg that you guys know from the show. A dude from my neighborhood. Reg is one of the most honorable men I've ever met. Stow cold gangster. And he's now married. Having, he, was, he was having a child. And uh, I was invited to the baby shower. And I'm like, yo, I, I got to see this in real time. You know, we came a long way from being kids. We raised ourselves. We, we had to figure it out on our own. And to see people make it to this place of being uh, husbands and fathers. Like, I wanted to see that in real time. And the theme of the baby shower was pink. Now, I didn't have anything pink in my wardrobe, right? So I said, man, uh, you know, I want to respect the spirit of the event. Let me go find something. I'm looking on Amazon. I'm cycling. I'm searching. I'm like, man, I don't really like none of this stuff. And furthermore, I don't want to give these people my number or my money, rather. So I said, you know what? Let me see if I could put the money into the hands of 
somebody that matters. And let's see if we can get that person on the phone right uh, now. Give me a second. Let's see if she's going to answer. Let's see if she's going to answer. Stay with me. Stay with me. Stay with me. Hello? Hello, this is William Holly at WBH Radio. You are live on the air. How are you, Nala Rose? Hi. What are you up to? I'm just getting Chick-fil-A. Oh, all right, all right. So this is my niece, Nala Rose. Now, I'm wearing this shirt that you made uh, for me. Okay. What can you tell the people about this process? First, what did you think when I came to you with the with the idea that it was easy. It was easy? Something simple. Yeah. All right, so tell them about the process. Uncle came to you. I said, yo, I need a, I need a pink shirt. What'd you do? I just, I looked up different tutorials just to make sure, you know, just different methods and options. And then I went out and got a tie-dye kit, and I tie-dyed the shirt. What do you think of the work, you, uh, how it turned out? I think it's not bad. Probably could have done better. How much it's money? Bad. How much money did you make on it? I forgot. <laughs> how did it feel, kind of like you were like a young entrepreneur? How did it feel to be able to put something together, your own creation, and then be compensated for it? Feels nice that you know somebody wants to get it. Hmm. All right. I'm not buying you gifts anymore. Like you got to work for everything you want. That's what that like was, was about. Buying it in the first place. What's that? Like you was buying any in the first place. I used to buy you all the cool gifts. You remember that that's, that Christmas I got you the Rapunzel dollhouse. I'm 15 now. The Rapunzel dollhouse was like how long ago? Oh, all right. Well, I'm trying to give you the gift of freedom, my love. I'm sure you are. Oh, all right. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for chiming in. Later. Bye. So, yeah, ladies and gentlemen, I needed a shirt made, so I went to my niece. You know, uh, as we get to the holiday season, I ain't buying these kids any more gifts. Like, I'm, I'm trying to give my, my, my people the ultimate gift, and that's the gift of freedom. Freedom of body, mind, expression. I went into Primark. I got a $5 polo shirt. I took it to my niece. I said, make magic happen. She went and got some paint and some tie-dye. She put this together. All right. So, uh, yeah, try to keep it in the family. But, <laughs> and I wonder what you think of it. It reminds me of an episode of the Cosbys. When um, <laughs> I, I call this shirt a Gordon Gartrell. Theo wanted this expensive shirt and his parents said, yo, you a kid, we not buying you a $100 shirt. So he asked his sister, Denise, like, yo, can you make me a shirt? She's like, yeah, I, I could do that. 
And when she put the shirt together, it was similar, but it wasn't quite the original Gordon Gartrell. Like, the sleeve, one sleeve was longer than the other. Like, it, it kind of looked crazy. And Theo was upset. I remember him yelling, Denise, with his high-pitched, uh, prepubescent voice. But when, when his friends saw the shirt, they was like, yo, man, this is cool, man. I want one. And Theo was like, oh, wow, son. He was like, oh, snap, that's cool. My friends actually like it. And then he ended up rocking it, and everybody had fun and stuff. So this is a Gordon Gartrell. This started in my niece's bathtub or sink, tie-dye and stuff. But uh, hopefully you like it. That's it. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, over the years, I've asked my friends, families, my viewers for advice on how to take the show to another level. Some of the feedback I've gotten from multiple people is that, yo, Will, you need a segment. You need a weekly, a monthly segment, a bi-weekly segment that people can look forward to, that people can count on. Similar to what Charlemagne the God has with Donkey of the Day. Like, we may not listen to The Breakfast Club three hours a day, but we'll, we'll check in and see, oh, who's the donkey today? You know, it's a brand that, that you know. You know what you can expect from it. Will, you need one like that. I'm like, ah, bro, I feel you, man. Let's, let's do it. But I could never come up with one. I guess the creative juices weren't flowing. But I, I, I think I got one. I, I think I got one. And for the last couple of months... You know, I've been I've been going over it in my head, you know, seeing if there was examples out there, if I, if I could really keep up with this. And I think I can. Man. And, and I, I can't wait for your feedback. Tell me what you think. My segment is going to be called This Week in White Supremacy. <laughs> this week, I'm going to show you how the system is systeming again. How the system is taking care of those it was designed to take care of. How the system is continuing to oppress and suppress the people it was designed to do so to. In America, there's ample opportunity, ample examples. So we should be all right. And this week, I want to highlight the coach of the Kansas City Chiefs, Mr. Andy Reid. Andy Reid has been a longtime NFL head coach. Uh, going back to the Eagles, he was leading that team year after year when Donovan McNabb was in his prime. Uh, he recently won the Super Bowl as coach of the Chiefs. Andy Reid has been doing this for a long time. And recently his son, Britt Reid, got in some legal trouble. A while back, he was arrested for driving under influence, an accident that, that, that really hurt a little girl. And I believe he put in a guilty plea the other day, and the prosecutor's not uh, 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 looking for any jail time. Like, Britt Reed may actually walk after pleading guilty to a crime, uh, driving under the influence. He may actually not have to serve any jail time. There goes the system and systeming. But that's surface level stuff. When I heard that Britt Reed, who at the time was working as a, a coach for the Chiefs, of course, working under his daddy, 
when I heard that he got in trouble, I said, dang, did, did Andy Reid have another son that got in trouble with alcohol and drugs? And he did. In fact, in 2012, his son Garrett Reed died at the Philadelphia Eagles training camp. Died from parent drug overdose. At the company facility. They, they were at training camp at Lehigh University. His son died in his, his dorm room because he was around the team, working with the strength and conditioning team, of course, because of his daddy. And that son who passed is horrific for anybody to lose their life, any parent to lose their child. Tough situation. But that son was a convicted felon for drug crimes. In fact, I got the article here from 2007. Uh, a judge sentenced Philadelphia Eagles coach Andy Reid's sons to jail on Thursday. Liken the coach home to a drug emporium. The judge said Andy Reid's house was a drug emporium. Yet he was allowed to bring his sons around the facility and question whether his adult son should live there. There isn't any structure there that this court can depend upon. This is what the judge is telling Andy Reid, head coach. Uh... O'Neill sent his 24-year-old Garrett Reed, a drug addict and dealer, who said he got a thrill out of selling drugs in the hood, up to 23 months in jail for smashing into another motorist car while high on heroin. That's the man Andy Reed was allowed to bring into the Philadelphia Eagles facility five years later. Now, when black folks get a job in some high position, we worry about the appearance of nepotism. Yeah, man, I just got this job, bro. I would love to bring you in, but I don't want them powers to be. Think, you know what I'm saying? I'm looking out for my own kind, you know what I'm saying? We, we worry about that when we get into these positions. But Andy Reid can bring a drug addict into a billion-dollar uh, organization's facility. His son, Garrett Reid. Now, unfortunately, that young man passed. But at that same time, Britt Reid, who was the son that's still alive, who's the son that just recently uh, pled guilty to, to to driving under the influence. At that same time, he was found pointing a gun at a motorist in a road raid incident. So I guess he got mad and thought it was cool to point a gun at somebody. So fast forward to 2020, 21, he's allowed to work on the Kansas City Chiefs staff. Why? This week in white supremacy. The audacity. <laughs> and the reason I bring this up is because we look at these people on TV, we look at these coaches, and we assume that they're better than us. The word is that every NBA GM is smarter than me when it comes to basketball. Why? Because they have those letters associated with them, and I'm here. Well, I'm here to tell you that's not true. Andy Reid's sons were drug addicts. His son, Britt Reid, just caused an accident that hurt a little girl driving under the influence. And an article that I read says that if you take into account where the accident happened and him uh, 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 coming from the Kansas City Chiefs facility, 
one can surmise that he was actually drinking at the Kansas City Chiefs facility. It's not like this son was at a bar somewhere. No, no, no. He was drinking on the job. A job he probably shouldn't have had because he's a felon, because Andy Reid's other son died at the Eagles facility over a decade earlier. This is nepotism. This is white supremacy at play. This is them taking care of each other and masking it in. Oh, he's a football guy. He ain't no football guy. He's a drug addict. And this man is perhaps not going to do any jail time when he's a felon already, when he has a history, when a judge told Andy Reid in 2007, your house is a drug emporium. Why is he not going to jail? And how do you think Andy Reid feel? You think, his, you think Andy Reid wants his son to be accountable and pay the price? No. He's going to use every bit of his weight, his literal weight and his figurative white supremacy weight, and take advantage of that system that's in place for people like that to survive and thrive. It's disgusting. And as somebody that's put 100,000 miles in on two wheels, on the motorcycles, a, a drunk driver, somebody under the, influence, under the influence is our worst enemy. I hope they put him under the jail. Why should he not go to jail? Because he's Andy Reid's son? There's a little girl who's hurt because of his negligence. And let me tell you, oh, I, I despise people that drive under influence. It is the laziest, most selfish crime. It's not somebody robbing a bank trying to feed their children. No. It's a spoiled little rich kid who wanted a taste. Or, you know what? That's enough of my segment. Andy Reid got two sons. One died at the Eagles facility. He was still allowed to hire Britt Reid, a felon, to work with a billion-dollar organization and the Kansas City Chiefs. That motherfucker's true colors got shown again. He found himself in more legal trouble, and he about to skate on this too. And again, why do I point this out? Again, the system is the system. I'm talking to my people. And Dr. Francis Cress Welsing said this in, in, in the ISIS papers. Even if you do nothing with this information but... Use it to just understand that what you see on TV is not for you. To help with your self-esteem. To help you uh, be healthier and have a better understanding of what's going on out there. Because me, I kept knocking on those professional organizations, knocking on those professional organizations, and it started to mess with my head. Dang, why they won't let me in? But thanks to the teachers of the Honorable Elijah Muhammad, thanks to the work done by the lovely Dr. Francis Cruz Welsing, I know that building ain't for me, so it no longer tinkers with my brain. And for all of y'all going through pain, I would want you to know these tools are here for you too. If the ISIS papers do nothing for me other than to restore my sanity. Because I used to think, man, every GM in the NBA is smarter than me. That's why they're there. Meanwhile, you got Andy Reid's fucking drug addict sons getting jobs. Stop it. Andy Reid, you a great coach, 
but a shit father. I got a call this week from a from from uh, somebody I love and adore, my friend. She called me at one o'clock in the morning, and it wasn't a booty call; it was a survival call. She called me in tears, contemplating suicide. Real deal. My people going through pain, man. And I'm a I'm gonna give all y'all my last breath. You know, with this show, I've been showing you who. The, the amazing relationships that I have. Kelly George's, Cadell Stevens, Kamoy McDonald's. Like, I, 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 I feel like the richest man alive because of these people and these relationships, the love and respect I get from all of them. I can't get out and touch everybody and I can't give everybody a Christmas gift. But what hopefully I can do is give you the gift, the truth, help you free your mind and your body so you could go on and, and accomplish great things and wherever you want to do it. This is my only way to touch on my people. I hope you understand, man. Trying my best. Uh, there's a whole bunch of other topics I want to get to. Email, doku and shit, but like, yo, time is limited. I'm out there in them schools teaching, coaching. I'm back driving limos again. And this is all because you motherfuckers ain't want to pay your $8 on Patreon. Real shit. Real shit. If you would if you were gonna help me out there, that would alleviate some of the pressure that I feel and some of the other uh, uh items I gotta attend to financially. But y'all ain't wanna do it. So you get sporadic episodes. I can't cover every topic you may want me to co- cover, like real shit. You know, and let that serve as an example. We losing our people. I, I'm, I'm, just, I'm, I, I'm fine. You know, I, I, the, the show is fine. But what I'm saying, like, let that serve as an example. Maybe something that you you liked or you wanted. Like, if you don't personally invest in it, it goes by the wayside, or the powers that be control it. Let let this serve as an example of what's happening out there. What if there's somebody out there that's producing something great, but they don't have the means that I have to 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 continue to hang on. Those people fall by the wayside. Those people die. So as always, I'm asking you, what you investing your money and your time in? The machine? (laughs) I'm the fucking greatest, man. WBH Radio, William Holly, I'm out.